He's a native Texan, a student of Ben Franklin and John Locke, and he's a Christian conservative political activist. He's a true believer in the principles that this country was founded upon and comes to you every day to guide, advise, and lead you to become involved in the greatest political experiment in the history of our planet, self-governance. We don't get fooled again. He's Matt Long, and this is The Matt Long Show. Good morning, folks. So happy to be here with you on another beautiful morning in the hill country. And you say, Mr. Long, it's a foggy and kind of muggy out there, but boy, it is still beautiful. First of all, you woke up, didn't you? That's a good start, because I imagine there's some people out there that didn't wake up this morning and are going on to meet their maker I don't know. There's some days that, um, I don't know, maybe that's, uh, aren't we all looking forward to that? So, not even sure where all of that came from, but good morning and uh, happy to be here with you. Got a couple of great guests lined up on the Matt Long Show this morning. We're going to have Jonathan Science on the line here, hopefully in a minute or two. And then at the bottom of the hour, our good friend Lisa Bellamy with the um, Lano Tea Party is going to be um, our guest at the bottom of the hour telling us about her meeting that she has, or not her meeting, the meeting of the Lano Tea Party that is coming up tomorrow night. And um, if you want some information about that, go to lanoteaparty.org. And if you just moved here from California, that's L-L-A-N-O, teaparty.org. And no, we don't pronounce it Yano. We um, actually say Lano. Um, So the L-L-A-N-O, teaparty.org. And um, we'll be talking with Lisa Bellamy here at the bottom of the hour. Today, tonight in the in uh, Fredericksburg, if you want to, if you're interested in the Texit movement, the uh, the the folks that are uh, preparing Texas to do something that uh, many of us believe is going to be inevitable, whether it is, um, I'm not sure if it's going to be next week or not, but. Um, I think uh, history somewhere down the road in the history of this country, if we continue down the path we're going right now at a federal level, I think we're going to have lots of Texans who are saying, we're sick and tired of this. We can do this on our own. And I know that really bothers a lot of people to talk about that. But um, the way I have started looking at it is uh, is kind of an, a fire extinguisher in your kitchen. And I think that we need to have these discussions and need to take a look at and see what it would look like, um, how we would go about doing it. And um, all of this, of course, depending, in my point of view, depending on the direction of the country overall. And um, I'm just, uh, the more and more we look at federal elections and what happened in the last two election cycles um, the more I am concerned that the country as founded by our founders um, is, well, we certainly don't have it anymore. How far away from it are we going to get before some states say, that's it, we've had enough, we are uh, we are checking out of here. As far as I'm concerned, I'd just as seen, soon see those liberal states divorce us and let them go about their business rather than us um, 
divorcing them. But anyway, tonight at 6 o'clock at the Backwoods Barbecue will be the folks with uh, Texit. And uh, they will be um, answering questions. I believe the topic tonight has to do with what will banking systems look like in Texas? What will banking look like in Texas? And I believe that's their topic for this evening. Uh, so uh, Backwoods Barbecue at 6 o'clock. Um, someone said uh, Harley was talking about another uh, barbecue joint earlier. And he said ribs. And my mouth watered up. Man, I like me some ribs, too. They're at Backwoods Barbecue. They got, man, they got some pork ribs that just, oh, melt in your mouth. And no, they're not paying me to say that. Um, so uh, that's tonight if you want to go check that out. And then tomorrow night in Lano, and like I said, we're going to have Lisa Bellamy on here. But uh, their guest is going to be uh, uh, Raz Schaefer with Hillsdale College. And uh, we'll get uh, Lisa on here to talk to us about that in uh, the bottom of the hour but uh for oh and next week a uh, week from uh, tomorrow is going to be the regular meeting of the fredericksburg tea party looking forward to that mark meckler with the convention of states is going to be there and uh so get your get that on your calendar for next thursday I'm telling you what, there's not two more contentious items in a room full of conservatives than the Texit movement, which I just discussed, and the Convention of States. Man, you can split a room in half um, with either of those two topics. So, you know, if you're uh, if you're uh, if you're buried deeply on one side, entrenched on one side. Unless you have the ability to argue the other side. If you, if you think you're entrenched on one side, ask yourself this question. Do you have the ability to argue the other side? And if you can't do that, then I'm going to question, um, I'm going to question you a little bit. So a little bit of, uh, poor Richard from uh, a little bit of Ben Franklin, some words of wisdom from Ben Franklin. And, uh, this one's a good one, uh, seeing what's been happening in Washington and, um, uh, Austin about making bargains, about compromise. And here's a good one from Ben Franklin. He said, necessity never made a good bargain. Necessity never made a good bargain. Y'all think about that one. We're going to take a short break, and we will be right back. He owns the largest collection of do-rags in Gillespie County. He's Matt Long. Born to be wild. Born to be wild. The Hill Country Patriot. All right, we are back. Thank you so much for sticking around. And I have a confession to make in front of my listeners, in front of Jonathan Sions, in front of God and the whole world. I didn't pay any attention to what was going on in Austin yesterday until, I don't know, something dinged me last night at about 9.30 or 10. And I woke up, and or I didn't wake up. I just kind of went, What? So, Jonathan, um, I'm glad you were paying attention yesterday. 
Would you tell us what in the world happened yesterday after the special session was called by Governor Abbott? Yeah, well, it's good to be with you, Matt. No, I, like you, was trying to, you know, catch my breath yesterday and sort of take the day off. But, you know, it's like a doctor who's on call, right? I mean, I know these things are going on and I need to pay attention. But I do think it surprised people because here's what happened this week. The legislative session ended on Monday, okay, that when it was constitutionally required to end, okay, the 140 days of the regular session session was over on Monday. As expected, the governor called a special session, but he called it very quickly. It started at 9 p.m. on Monday. Uh, for whatever reason, uh, they decided to pick that time. It was clear the governor wanted to address the property tax issue and border security issue very quickly. So that's when the clock started. Now, there, a special session can last 30 days, but it, does, it did seem like there was uh, a possibility that it might be real quick, that they were the House and the Senate were close to uh, an agreement on language that they could both be comfortable with and, and get this to the governor's desk. So both chambers, um, the Senate and the House, went back into session, special session, and they each had a bill on property tax relief, and um, but they weren't the same, <laughs> surprise. Mm-hmm. And so according to the governor, the the version of the property tax relief bill by the House was more of what he was looking for, was quote-unquote germane, which means it actually fit into what Governor Abbott called the session, the special session back for. And for some reason, he didn't see that the version was. Uh, now, look, uh, these are can be very complicated matters and long bills. The long and short of it is the lieutenant governor feels like his version gives people more tax relief, property tax relief, than the House version. So, uh, but it, it was like this, you know, um, tennis match or this ping pong back and forth are really just sort of one-sided. The House said, we're done. They adjourned. The governor said, the Senate version does not meet the parameters of what I asked you all to do. And the lieutenant governor is over there saying, that's not true. My, my property tax relief is better. And this is after a lot of chatter on social media, pro- primarily by the lieutenant governor, over the past three or four days, trying to position themselves and you know, trying to get an audience, if you will, and, and make the case that the Senate version was better. But the, you know, just from what I could tell, the speaker was not really engaging that much on that social media discussion, nor was the governor. It appeared that there were some private meetings lieutenant governor mentioned where things did not go quite so well, or he thought they did, but then the product was not that great. So, But the long and short of it is um, we don't have a done deal. And so the, the Senate is going to come back on Friday and, and take a look at this and see if this standoff continues. I don't know how it's all going to play out, uh, but that's where we are. The governor says the House version fits in my special session request, and the Senate one doesn't. So we'll see what the Senate does next. You know, this is absolutely amazing. I'm over at the TLO, and um, the session, you know, we always hear it, how much time it takes to get a bill filed and through committee, and golly gee, we just were running out of time. The uh, House filed, uh, let's see, how many bill, House bills, 47 House bills were filed yesterday. Um, they were, let's see, the first, uh, the first, um, 37 were House bills, and then there were some concurring resolutions and some joint resolutions. I think one of them had fixing the date for signy die for adjournment. So some of them were like uh, uh, technical uh, rule changes, I guess you might say. 
Um, but these guys came out with a bill, got it through committee, got it passed on the floor and sent over to the Senate in in just a few hours. Now, is part of that because they already had it? They already had the bill. Is this the bill they had been sitting on in the House during this session? Well, I don't know if it's quite that simple. I think part of the reason they were able to move so quickly, Matt, and listen, if people want to follow some of the stuff we're saying on our social media channels, check uh, Texas Values on Facebook and Twitter. But, you know, they've been working on property tax relief all session. They came into this session with that being a big priority. And so, you know, they have a pretty good idea of what they're trying to do. So it, it might not have taken that long to get the language right. And they were... The perception was they were pretty close in the last week of the session. So, yeah, that might have added to the fact that it didn't seem like it took that long. But I agree with your point. People talk about, oh, you know, you waste all this time or why does it take so long or whatever. But it sounds like sometimes when they can get focused, they can move things really quickly. Now, I will say, you know, when you only got to work on one bill, if you will, even though it's a pretty big bill, mm. that helps. And right. So, and that's, you know, benefit of the special session. Um, but this is a big deal. I mean, this is one of the priorities. Uh, that, you know, voters have talked about, Lieutenant Governor talked about, the Governor and the Speaker, and individual House and Senate members. So part of the motivation here is they don't want to, quote-unquote, go home without property tax relief. Now, some of them have gone home at this point, but there at least is that sense that, you know, it's going to get done very soon. But, I, you know, and I do, I, Governor Abbott, in case people didn't notice this, when he announced the special session, one thing I was very encouraged by is he listed a bullet point of bills that did get done that mm -hmm. obviously were priorities to him, which was encouraging, right? Hey, we got these big things done, but we still didn't get this done. A couple of those were big issues that we worked on, mm -hmm. protecting children from life-altering gender mutilation. We know that was Senate Bill 14. Um, protecting women's sports and female collegiate athletes. We know that was Senate Bill 15. Banning illegal DEI hiring practices, Senate Bill 17. Uh, regular safety checks. Uh, for school, um, a, a whole host of things on here that matter to you and I and a lot of other people. But it, it was nice to see him acknowledge, hey, oh, and he says, I will be soon signing these laws that advance our state and the future. So not that we were surprised by that, ending COVID restrictions and mandates. We were surprised by that, but it was encouraging to see that. And so now you can focus on property tax. And that's what he says. Special session, number one, will focus only on cutting property taxes and cutting down on illegal human smuggling. And so the governor gets to, you know, say what he wants them to do. Now, the, the chambers, the Senate and House have some flexibility on what that's going to look like, and that's where the rubber's meeting the road now in the Senate. The lieutenant governor feels like the bills that they filed, uh, SB1 and SJR1, um, are within the, you know, uh, language or whatever the governor asked for, and it's up for them to decide how to solve that. Uh, but we'll see. Um, the Senate's going to be back on Friday, and it may not take that long. I mean, I'm not at the Capitol today. You know, there's not a lot of people up there, maybe a few Senate staffers and so on on Friday, mm -hmm. um, because they have a pretty good idea of what they're doing. But it's a great opportunity for people if your if your members coming back to the district briefly, maybe uh, talk to them about it. Yeah, talk about how property tax issue is and um but i do think they're, they're going to get something done very soon well the uh, cover of the um one of the issues if, correct me if i'm wrong one of the issues was 
Um, the Senate, um, uh, Lieutenant Dan wanted to add a cap to appraisals. And um, and the House, they either had two different numbers or the House did not want to cap appraisals. Where am I on that? Because I've got an article in the Fredericksburg Standard here I want to mention to you. Yeah, well, and now you're getting a little bit deeper than I might be able to take you in all okay. fairness. Um, and I'm not saying that these issues aren't important. Right. Um, so I, I'll defer to you if that's what you're reading. I think the big, and, and I just want people to understand what we're seeing here, right, is, and, and I'm not trying to oversimplify it, but I think this is the reality. The, the lieutenant governor feels like his plan gives more money back to taxpayers. The House doesn't see it that way, right? In, in the statement from the lieutenant governor, he says his plan gives homeowners nearly 700 more than the quote-unquote Abbott plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I mean, it, it's kind of a, a tense statement by the lieutenant governor. He goes on to say, I'm shocked Governor Abbott is advocating for taking an additional $700 savings from homeowners and giving it to businesses. Yeah. He feels like, the, the Abbott plan gives more money to corporations than, than to homeowners and, and property, individual property tax uh, payers. And so, um, and he goes on. I mean, you know how Lieutenant Governor is. He doesn't usually mince words. While the House may have thrown in the towel, the Senate continues to work. The governor should feel free to, to expand the special session call to include other critical issues, too, for our state. There's a lot of stuff that other stuff that didn't get done, to his point. Um, and so... I mean, we're going to continue to see this play out, whether or not, and some of this might be people's matter of perception if they see it that way or if they crunch the numbers another way, if that's what it'll amount to. But, um, you know, good luck trying to convince the lieutenant governor of something different. One of the main reasons that he ran for office as a senator the first time was because of the issue of property tax relief and things related to that. He knows the subject well. Mm. Well, Jonathan, we are out of time. I appreciate you coming on. And um, we on Friday, we have a uh, we got an expert who's going to be on the air tomorrow on Friday to tell us what compression means and homestead <laughs> exemptions and all of that. And so I uh, appreciate you taking my questions. And uh, Jonathan, thank you again uh, for calling into the Matt Long Show. We really appreciate it. Yeah, you bet. And remember, on June 9th in San Antonio, we've got a dinner with Donna Campbell, senior advisor to Governor Abbott, Steve Munisteri. We've still got tickets for that Friday, June 9th. Uh, June 28th is Canyon Lake. We're doing a legislative wrap-up. And uh, go to our website, txvalues.org. Click the Events tab. You can find out a bunch of events we're having around June to let people know what happened on Faith, Family, and Freedom. There you go. Thank you again, Jonathan. We appreciate it and appreciate the work you do. And we'll talk to you next week. There you go. That was a quick old I'm out of here. So. Texan. Matt Log on the Hill Country Patriot. My heads in Mississippi. So, um, we have an interesting situation. And like I said, on Friday, we're going to have Mark Golaby come on to talk to us about uh, this whole tax thing. Um, we may have a bill. Um, actually, no, if the Senate's not coming in until Friday, uh, convening on Friday, when we have Mark on here Friday, 
there will still be some possibilities of uh, that all moving around. The headline I was referring to is from last week's uh, uh, Fredericksburg Not-So-Standard uh, newspaper, the Radio uh, Post. <clears throat> um, appraisals skyrocket another 20%. And I don't know where they get 20% because all of their numbers add up to way more than 20%. Commercial property value in one year. Now, if you're a commercial property owner, that sounds pretty dadgum good. You got a 37, almost a 38% value uh, increase in appraisal increase in your property. 38% in one year. I, I'm, I'm assuming this is in one year. I, I can't. I'm, it's got to be one year. I mean, that's how you look at things. That's right. Um, uh, in one year, agriculture land, 21% in one year. Single family residential, 22.25% in one year. Now, what would you guys, you know that your appraiser is hired. You knew that, right? The appraiser who tells you how much your home is worth so that it can be taxed is hired by the people who tax you. Think about that for just a second. The people who who tax you, you vote for them, and they tell you, and you get to vote for the people who set the tax rate, all right? And they, in turn, and so let's go back. So you vote for those people who set the tax rate. And so you might have a candidate, uh, candidates that say, well, we're going to make sure your tax rates go down low or go all the way to, you know, one thing they can do, which is called the no in, uh, no new, uh, no new revenue, uh, no new revenue plan, which is real easy where they, um, if you owned property last year and it was valued at a certain amount, if they raise the uh, appraisal value of your house, you still pay the amount you paid last year. And, and there's a lot of cities doing that. And with the growth going on in the Hill Country, this is an amazing time to do something like that in the Hill Country. And uh, because there's so much growth that if everybody who was here last year still pays the same they did last year, it doesn't mean we're losing money or treading water. What we're doing is all the new people, the money you didn't have last year is your new expanded market. That's your new money coming in. That's your new. That's how you can grow your budget. All right, but so many people don't understand that. They think freezing it is, you know, that that uh, no new tax rate is uh, somehow going to take money away from you. Some of the appraisal caps that uh, these that were floated around uh, during these uh, negotiations on uh, the, um, uh, the 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 tax refund and that were going on all during the session. There was talks about camping the rate. Could we say that your appraisal district cannot raise your land, cannot raise your appraisal by, say, 10% in one year or by 5% in one year? And then there was an, an argument. Um, how about uh, one side said, well, uh, if we're going to cap the single-family residential land, then we ought to cap the commercial property as well. 
And so since we have these two or three different categories, there were folks that were saying, look, it ought to be clear across the board um, if you're, uh, that the same cap ought to be available for commercial property as well as for your homestead. And others said, no, it ought to be just homestead. And, and how, sh- how high should we cap it? But from what I understand right now, there's uh, there's no capping it. Um, as far as I understand, there is no cap. So the people who tax you will hire an appraiser to tell you how much your property is worth so that the people can tax you, uh, the people who do set the tax rate, now they know how much money they have to pay with and Obviously, if the appraiser was, um, I don't know if this is obvious or not, but if the the appraiser was not uh, increasing uh, income for the county every year, do you think maybe they'd keep him around or would they hire another appraiser who's going to bump those prices up a little bit higher? Now, they'll tell you, oh, we got all kinds of magic formulas and it's not just on the whim of a single person. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, it is. It's called the chief appraiser. That's um, how much he's uh, going uh, to do. $111 million new dollars in the district. $111 new value dollars. $111 million. So if you're uh, sitting there and you're a tax and spend progressive like most of our uh, city council is in uh, Fredericksburg, then um then this is great you're just saying wow man look at that that's 111 million new dollars we can tax but it's the, they've already taxed that they they just love that it's like oh my goodness we're going to we're go oh, look how much more money we're going to get and they're going to keep doing that and um as the bottom of the uh market falls out by the way if anybody's listening out there and uh lisa bellamy uh you need to be calling in my friend i was going to get you on the air today to talk about what's happening in lano and uh so uh angela give lisa a call if she's (laughs) tell her to call in i got a few minutes left here but the Lano Tea Party, these guys have a new firefight under, under them. They have actually been around quite some time. They were one of the uh, early. Um, they were one of the early um, tea parties in the state, and uh, so very proud of the Lano Tea Party. In fact, I believe Angela Smith, after uh, as part of forming along with several other women, the Fredericksburg Tea Party in '09. There was a request from friends in Lano to say, help us get this group going. And so um, uh, ended up Angela and some folks from Fredericksburg went up and helped kick off the um, the Lano Tea Party. And uh, they have been around and are still around, like all other uh, Tea Party groups and patriot groups across the country. Patriot groups across the country, they, um, there have been lots of changes in leadership. You know, this is, um, 09, that's 14 years now. And, and nobody's getting paid in our group. And I know nobody's getting paid in, uh, the Lano Tea Party, uh, to do these, uh, to do this work. And so leadership kind of rolls over every now and then. And so lots of things can happen negative when leadership rolls over. And lots of things can happen positively when leadership rolls over. And so 
as uh, the leadership of the Lano Tea Party uh, uh, kind of rolled over about a year ago, they um, they are now under the uh, leadership of uh, Lisa Bell and me, who is, uh, man, I'm telling you, she is quite a firecracker. Uh, we love her a lot. She, um, on June 1st, on Thursday, it says that uh, their guest speaker is going to be Raz Schaefer from Hillsdale College. He is the senior regional director. They have their meetings at the American Legion, and if you're going over to Lano, um, the once you cross over the bridge on uh, 16 there uh, on Lano, is it before the? It's right after the bridge, isn't it? Yeah, after the bridge, but before you get to uh, that highway up there, which I believe is 29. Um, off to the left, you will see signs for the American Legion, and it's basically right there on uh, front of the river. They got some nice uh, river view uh, from the American Legion Hall there in Lano. They you, they have good food. I think they are. If I go to their homepage, listen, this is a serious. They're having some serious issues over there. Um, they um, they they need someone to coordinate the dessert table. Oh. <laughs> What a job. You know, if I was coordinating the dessert table, I think I would have to sample everything first. And, and I'd probably get you need you to, uh, you know, send in uh, samples the week before so that I could okay it for the, um, uh, the dessert uh, table. I, that sounds like a really fun job. Um, what they have done in the past there is uh, they had a catered meal, but then the members bring in desserts. And so the trick was to find out who's which little old lady, and all due respect, I say that in a very nice way, which little old lady makes the best homemade dessert. And you can look over there and see if any of those dessert packages have H-E-B labels on them. Oh, no, they don't like those H-E-B stickers over there. It's like they're no way... We are going to bring homemade desserts. So this is a serious issue with the Lano Tea Party. If you want to help them out by becoming their dessert coordinator, you may do so by going to their event uh, tomorrow night. And there's a place to RSVP, and they would appreciate that. You know, when it comes to catering meals and when it comes to feeding folks at a meeting like this, and you really don't know, is it going to be 20 or is it going to be 40? Or is it going to be um, in, in one group or another group that's like, well, is it going to be 70 or is it going to be 90? When you're trying to cook for and prepare food for groups that big, it sure is nice to get your RSVP uh, down. And so there is a place to do that. And um, if you want to get a hold of Lisa Bellamy, you can uh, send her an email at president at lanoteaparty.org and you can send her an email and say man we were sure looking forward to hearing you on the matt long show today what happened so um there you go that is uh, the lano tea party meeting tomorrow night folks we're going to take a short break and um when we get back i don't know i got a hundred different directions to go in when we get back y'all stay tuned he doesn't just complain into a microphone. Blah, 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 blah. Matt Long on the Hill Country Patriot. All right, welcome back 
to the Matt Long Show. Thank you so much for sticking around. I know you have choices. I know that you can switch channels during commercials and move that uh, dial up and down your radio. Is anybody out there still have a knob on the right-hand side of the radio? You turn left and right, or is it... uh, is everybody's uh, now just some kind of little button you push? I don't know. I'm so glad that uh, Ford decided to, uh, uh, after some uh, harassment, to not take out AM radios out of their cars. So thank you, Ford, um, for for keeping that up. Um, so uh, there are some things that did not get done. We're going to be bringing you over the next week or so, week, couple of weeks actually, and as uh, as these special sessions come and go, um, we're going to be following up on the good, the bad, and the ugly of uh, the legislative session. Um, and so we're going to be bringing folks on the air. Like I said, on Friday, we've got a uh, an expert on uh, corporate welfare and uh, tax rates, and he's going to explain to us uh, how once again the uh, Texas, uh, uh, your legislature in Texas is more concerned about giving tax breaks to, you know, like Tesla and Amazon than they are on seeing the peach farmer in Fredericksburg get a tax break on the value of his property. And so Mark is going to be, Mark Gullaby will be our guest on Friday talking about that. I'm also going to get a couple of different border security people on the air um, here sometime soon. I've already talked with Sheena Rodriguez about getting her lined up to come onto the air and uh, probably reach out to a couple of more people as well. But border security, speaking of Sheena Rodriguez, border security, we really only had one one victory uh, this session. There were um, three uh, pri- three provisions in the uh, Republican priority that uh, Kelly Perry, uh, she is part of the um, state representative, state Republican executive committee, um, and uh, Kelly and 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 her. Uh, Folks had a some bills and three points that they wanted to get through. They got through one of them, and so we're really kind of disappointed on the what has happened with with the um, border security. The one victory was a interstate compact authorization on the border. This idea has been around for a long time, and basically what it says is that. Um, the legislature gives uh, permission to the state of Texas, and I believe that uh, they would work that through the governor, to sign an agreement, a, a, uh, a compact, uh, a treaty with the other border states, California, Arizona, New Mexico, and Texas, that, uh, that we would work together in certain aspects of the uh, uh, working on the border. Now, all of this bill does is gives Texas permission to, 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 to work within an, an interstate compact. Well, as far as I know, we don't have an interstate compact. All right? I don't think one exists yet that we can't even sign on to. 
So this bill, unless there's some follow-up on it, unless someone is assigned to, all right, we're going to get this. Who are you going to talk to in New Mexico, in Arizona, in California? Who are we going to get to? Um, where, where, where are we going to start this uh, interstate compact? So the, once the interstate compact is authorized, it actually has to get approved by the House of Representatives in uh, D.C., now, not by the Senate, not by the President, just has to get approved by the House, uh, by the House in D.C. So there's a lot of steps to go through, and that was just one, and it's not going to show any change whatsoever on the border anytime soon. Now, the bill that the Texas House came out with yesterday and uh, sent over to the Senate, and then signy died, they signed themselves out. This is very bizarre. Um, but they, they, they said, all right, here's the two bills the governor wanted. We're out of here. Uh, we're locking the doors and we're headed out here. And one of those two bills was increasing the penalty for, um, uh, smuggling of, uh, of, of human beings, uh, transportation of human beings, and then, uh, stash houses, the hiding of human beings. Now that, that is just uh, all that's doing is increasing the penalty. Is it giving the Border Patrol any more power? Is it doing, is there anything out of that that's going to be game changing on the border? And I would say, in my personal opinion, um, is, uh, uh, yeah, no, uh uh-uh. uh. We're, we're not going to see any changes. Why is it that as the state of Texas, you know, we've been watching this for two years here in Texas. We've been watching the national media ignore what's going on in the border. But you and I down here, those who are listening, those of us who pay attention, we know what a disaster it is on the border. We've been talking about this for two years Every single Republican that ran for office in the state of Texas last year said what? They said they were going to secure the border, every last one of them. Man, I didn't plan on getting fired up today, but the more I talk about this, the more it really chaps my buttocks, all right? I'm telling you, every single one of them. Go back. I keep the flyers, by the way. Those who win in the office after they're elected, I keep all your flyers. I have the proof. It's right there. I have the receipts. Every day, I bet you I could go home today and I could pull all of those out. And I'll bet you, I'll bet you there's not a one of them on there that doesn't say anything about border security. I'll bet you every single one of them. And yet, what did we get? I don't know. We got nothing, honey. We got nut and honey on the border, and I don't know what to say about that. And 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 the the, the going through the uh, what we did with the COVID, and 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 the government forcing you and businesses forcing you to take a trial drug. It's not even approved. It's a trial drug, and Americans just jumped in and couldn't wait to get on board with this. And there was a small handful of us out there saying, no, we don't. That could be the best drug in the world, but I want the choice as to whether to put that into my body. And and we had all of that talk over the last two years. 
the, they get together and and what we got nothing honey i mean we did get a little bill a wee little bill that says something about um covid shots all right let's see um let's see uh um house bill 81 senate bill 177 uh let's see i believe that one passed but um it, again uh, senate bill 29 um, it was it was a basically prohibits government vaccine mandates, lockdowns, or mask mandates. And you think, well, that's great, that's great, that's what we wanted. Senate Bill Twenty Nine. We don't want the government to force mandates or lockdowns or or things like that. But then it says it's only for COVID nineteen. You know, I told you yesterday there's going to be a new disease right down the block. So a lot of people who believe this is a trial run, that this COVID-19 and our to see how we reacted as um, as citizens to these mandates, see how did we react? Who didn't react? What can they do for the next time? I'm I'm <clears throat> I'm not con- completely convinced that that was the case that this was all done on purpose, and yet I am not convinced that it is not the case. How does that sound? So there are. we're going to be going through some of these a little bit at a time, and I'm going to remind you that if you kept the flyers, if you go back and, you know, I'll bet you, here we go, here's a good uh, a project for you. Most of us, uh, our inbox is a trashy mess, right? I'll bet you if you go through and dig around um, right before the elections and right before the primaries, if you would go and dig around in your emails, I'll bet you would find all the promises that were made to you by people running for office. And you could pull those emails out. If you're not a, if you're not like me and you didn't save every flyer they sent to you in the mail, um, go back through your emails. Look for the things that they said they were going to do for you if you voted for them, what their priorities were going to be, and uh, compare them to actually what actually happened in this legislative session. All right, because they're, they're going to start coming out and telling you like they do every year, every two years, this was the greatest session ever. And what they're going to point to this session is they're going to say, look, we protected your kids. Shut up and sit down. They're going to say, yeah, we gave you that one thing. We gave you those scraps off the table. You should be grateful for those scraps. And just because we didn't do the other 90% of things we told you we were going to do when you voted for us, sit down, shut up, and be grateful for the scraps we sent to you. Y'all stay tuned for Lorraine. Hopefully she's a little bit calmer than I am.